Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Conflict. What comes up for you when you hear that word? If you're like a lot of people, me included, it often inspires dread. By definition, conflict means a serious disagreement or argument, usually a protracted one, or another definition, a clash. Yeah, sign me up for that. But what if avoiding conflict, something that many people really, really try to do, actually makes things worse? I mean, how could anything that is called a clash be good for you? Well, to answer that question, and I hope a few more, I'm joined by Dr. Marissa Franco. She's a psychologist, friendship expert, and a policy fellow at Millennium Challenge Corporation. So, Dr. Franco, Marissa, thanks for being on the show and talking about what seems to be a conversation that I never seem to get away from when I'm talking about <laughs> relationships. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this, you know, and, and I, I did when I, you wrote an article called How Open Conflict Benefits Relationships for Psychology Today. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I was absolutely fascinated. Just, just the title alone goes, okay, I got to go read this. So how can anything that most of us consider to be really, really painful actually be positive? Well, the thing is, when we think about conflict, we don't bring a lot of nuance to the conversation. So we almost go to like, the worst case scenario, which I, I sort of described in the article as like flipping the table during a game of Monopoly. I think that's how a lot of us relate to conflict or that might define our experience of conflict earlier in our lives, whether in like our early parental relationships. And so when conflict is like that, indeed it is scary and it does harm relationships. And so when I wrote my article about how open conflict could benefit relationships, my aim was really to take a more nuanced approach to conflict that you know, disagreement or working through something, it doesn't have to look like blame. It doesn't have to look like attacking each other. Instead, it really can just look like coming together to solve an issue that will benefit your relationship. Well, and and I love that because, you know, conflict is something that I personally don't like that word. I also don't like the word fight only because it they have such negative connotations to them. And what I will tell people is that any two people, I don't care how much they have in common, how much they love each other, how much they value the relationship, they are going to disagree. And Mm -hmm. that's a fact. And if we can accept that fact, then maybe we can actually make some forward progress. Exactly. I think you're exactly right, Leslie, that there's no way to never have conflict in a relationship. It's two people that have different identities, different needs, different ways of viewing the world. And so having a disagreement is not a reason for a relationship to end or is not a signifier that a relationship is um, is not functional or in murky waters. It's sort of like it's an inevitable part of being in community with other people. Well, and so I guess... And, and I suppose this is kind of a silly question. Um, is and, and I guess it depends on how people 
approach it. But why, why is it so hard for people just to go, oh, this is just a difference of opinion, or oh, this is, this is a different way of looking at something. How interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, it, I mean, it, it becomes... And, and I, you know, I've done this work long enough. I mean, I know that a lot of it has to do with what we experienced growing up. Um, right. But, but you know, it, it still seems to be such a challenge to wrap our heads around that somebody actually thinks differently than I do. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's actually this term for it in the psychology research. It's called the false consensus effect, and it basically defines that we all have a tendency to assume other people think more like us than they do. So they did this study mm-hmm. on college students and asked them, like, what are your opinions on abortion? What do you think everyone else's opinions are on abortion? And no matter what your opinions were on abortion, you likely thought that other people saw it as similarly to you do. And so we go out into this world not only having our opinions but projecting our opinions onto everyone around us such that we think that everybody sees similarly to us. So it can kind of be a surprise when someone's like, actually, I have a different opinion or perspective. And then in addition to that, I think we can often attach our perspectives to our sense of identity and our sense of worth. Like if people aren't agreeing with my opinion or my perspective, then they're not agreeing with me as a person. And so there can be a bit of, I guess, like, ego, you could call it involved, Mm -hmm. that really Mm -hmm. feels threatened when other people might have a different perspective than you do. And then also, you know, your opinion may be on behalf of some difficult experiences that you've had. Like, that's why you've developed this opinion or perspective. And you may not even be aware that those difficult experiences are being activated in this conversation, those vulnerable experiences. And when someone is indicating a difference of opinion to you, it might be taken as, oh, okay, so now they are invalidating this difficult experience that I went through that has led to this opinion. And so that's all happening, I would say, almost at a subconscious level, and we don't Mm -hmm. even realize that it's happening, but it's coming up in our emotional experience around our perspectives and opinions, right? Because not all of our perspectives and opinions feel as weighty to us. Sometimes we might be more open to disagreement where, if, you know, someone likes one color, another person likes another. But then there's other mm-hmm. opinions and perspectives we may have where we feel very threatened when somebody might have a difference of opinion. And so looking into that history, our own histories, to understand why some of our opinions might feel more vulnerable and might feel more threatening when someone has a difference of opinion um, can really understand why we might have difficulties approaching disagreements on certain topics. Well, and I think, and I think also that the closer a person is to us, the more this comes into play because, it, you know, whether it's, whether it's a good friend or whether it's a sibling or whether it's our life mm-hmm. partner, it's like, you know, I, I really like the idea about talking about our identity is tied up in this way of thinking. And, you know, I mean, and, and we all want, I think every human being on the planet wants to feel like they belong somewhere. And so if they have mm-hmm. a difference of opinion to somebody who they want to be in close connection with, that that really can be triggering in these, these, old, these, these old things and, and really kind of creating this, you know, line in the sand kind of 
this is the way it is and and yeah it yeah. It, it, it i mean i love the i love the idea i love the concept that this is that this is nuanced you know? yeah yeah but, but you know and 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 the other thing is and this is something else that i i be part of the reason i do the show and talk with people like you is because these are things that people can learn and mm-hmm. you know, that there are ways to do this and in your article you talk about one of the first things to do or to focus on is in order to have effective conflict is is our own mind and our own energy. And so yeah. can you explain what this is and, and more to and more to the point, how can somebody do this if they're not used to doing it? Yeah. So Basically what the literature, the research on conflict shows is that the outcome of our conflict, how healthy it is, how much it benefits relationships, depends on the emotion that we're bringing to the conflict. When Uh we are angry and we're engaging in conflict, that tends to make other people shut down and makes it very difficult to have a healthy conflict. And that's because of, um, you might have spoken about this on your show, the concept of window of tolerance. And so that's Uh the idea that we all have a window, and when we're inside of our window, we are able to think rationally, we are able to hear different opinions, we're sort of at our most resourced and we're at our best. But when Mm -hmm. we get outside of our window, now we're in fight or flight, and we're not able to think things through rationally. We're not able to slow down and consider different opinions. We're feeling really vulnerable, we're feeling easily threatened. And so when you come at someone with anger, you bring them outside of their window of tolerance. So already they're in a place where they cannot comprehend what you're saying at a rational level, and they're reacting sort of impulsively and emotionally. So I think one of the most important things to think about when you're about to enter this conflict is, can I enter this conflict calmly? Am I in a place where I'm ready to do that? And so timing can be very strategic here. You don't want to enter the conflict if you're very keyed up and you, don't also, you also don't want to enter the conflict if you can sense that the other person is keyed up. You want to wait, strike when the iron is cold, as they say. <laughs> um, and so then other things you should really think about is how are you going at this conflict? If you're sort of playing this conflict out in your head and you're thinking about all the ways that you can blame the other person, then, then you're also not ready to engage in healthy conflict because blame is antithetical to healthy conflict. Healthy conflict is a partnership. It says, I care about you and I care about me, so how can we both care about each other together and, and solve a, make a solution sort of collaboratively? And so if you're thinking about how can I blame another person, you should instead ask yourself things like, am I ready to share my concerns but also listen and empathize with their concerns, identifying <laughs> that you know, you're not the only one in this partnership and the other person likely also have a perspective. And are you ready to hear that? Um, and if you're in a state of blame, likely the answer is no. And then I think the last question that you could ask yourself is, am I seeing this conflict as an opportunity to make our relationship better? Okay. And, and I'm sitting here kind of laughing because this is very similar to what I tell people because I will tell people, I, you know, I use a temperature scale of 1 to 10 with 1, everything's really calm and wonderful and fantastic and 10, somebody's going out the second story window and I don't know who it is. Um, mm-hmm. I tell people, don't start a conversation about anything important if you're higher than a 3. Yes, because, yes. I would think, because, think 3. Yeah, because you're not calm. 
But that's when most people will engage because either yep. either there something's just happened and they're hot, or they've done what you're talking about. It's like they've they've had the conversation in their head and now they're ready mm-hmm. to jump it in their partner's lap. And of course, their partner has no clue it's coming, so they feel like they've been hit upside the head with a two by four because it's like, well, where'd that come from? And they're off to the races. And you know, this mm-hmm. idea about about blame, you know, it's like. Yeah, and you actually in your article talk about some of the ways that you should never start these conversations. Can you mm-hmm. share a couple of those? Yeah, yeah. So here, here I'm going to share some examples of ways that you shouldn't start the conversation and ways that I would recommend starting the conversation instead. Um, so, for example, if you start the conversation with something like, I need to talk to you about something you did that I found unacceptable. So, obviously, that indicates blame. It doesn't indicate that you're willing to come together with them. And so, instead, mm-hmm. you might say something like, us working well together means a lot to me, which is why I want to make sure that I'm talking openly about what's on my mind so we can work through it. And I'd like to take some time to hear your perspective as well. And so, if you even hear the sort of pronouns in that revised mm-hmm. sentence. There's mm-hmm. a lot more of us and we instead of I and you. And so, it, it just sort of suggests, hey, I want to come together here. And you set the tone to say, like, I'm doing this because I value our relationship. People, if, if I didn't value our relationship, I wouldn't put in the time and effort to try to work through this. This is because I want a future that is even better than our now. And so another example I had about that is um, how not to approach conflict. I'm really pissed over something you did, and we need to talk about it. And then a more healing or apparative way to, to open up the conflict would be, I love and value our friendship so much, but there's just been some stuff that's weighing on me, and I was hoping we could talk about it so that none of it gets in the way of our friendship. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I always, I always tell my, my clients, I said, try not to use the word you in the first three words of a sentence unless it's I love you, you're wonderful, I'm glad you're in my life. Then you can use you to your heart's content, but it's the yes. you did, you always. And it's like, oh, my gosh. The shot across the bow because then you know it's like you were talking about before. People can't really hear at that point in time because they go into that defensive fight or flight. Exactly. And, you know, and 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 what people don't realize is that you you literally cannot he- absorb any information other than right. am I going to die? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're on edge. You're on edge. Yeah. So this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about the benefits of conflict with psychologist and friendship expert, Dr. Marissa Franco. And I've often said that you can't really avoid conflict. You can merely postpone it. And usually, the longer the issue festers, the harder it is to resolve. But there are skills you can learn to help you address conflict more productively so you can take the fear out of it. And if you'd like to know more about that, I invite you to contact me and schedule a free, no obligation, create your happily ever after strategy session. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie, dot com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919 
919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. I want to get back to this conversation about how to do conflict well <laughs> with Dr. Franco. So Marissa, you suggest an, a concept about sharing each other's worlds as a helpful process. So mm-hmm. I know you were, I think we were starting to touch on this a little bit ago, but can you go into more detail about what it entails and why it works? Yeah, so sort of thinking about more unhealthy models of conflict that tend to be about attacking the other person, but instead mm-hmm. focusing more on yourself. What is the effect of the problem on you? So, for example, instead of going into a conversation and saying something like, that was so awful of you to miss my wedding, you're truly a lousy friend, saying something like, I felt so hurt that you didn't show up at my wedding, it was so important to me to have everyone I love be a part of that milestone for me, and I felt so let down when I didn't see your face. And so what that does in the conversation is it brings vulnerability to the conversation. Mm -hmm. It feels hard to do because it brings vulnerability and because you're being vulnerable. But what vulnerability does is that it connects people. So it brings the other person in instead of pushing them away, which is what happens when you use the you statements and you attack someone's character. And so we already sort of started the beginning of this conversation through talking about how, like, you know, we easily attach our opinions and our perspectives to our sense of our very identity. And that's when conflict gets very hard and starts to feel more unhealthy. And so when you're using those you statements, like you're horrible, you're a lousy person, you're a horrible, you know, boyfriend, husband, girlfriend, then you, what you are doing is you're, attack, you're attaching their actions to their sense of identity. And that's, again, what we don't want to happen for people to be able to remain open in the context of the conflict. Right, yeah, that's character, that's character assassination, which, which never works very well. Um, right. But when you talk about something like that, and when we talk about our own feelings, when we talk about where we're feeling hurt or let down or whatever, I mean, it's really hard to do because that, that gives the person power. I mean, that, that tells mm-hmm. them here's, here's where somebody is, vulnerable, the V word, which, I mean, I've always, I've always, back even before I knew of, of Brene Brown, which I was listening to her, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy, um, because I've always <laughs> thought of vulnerability, that to be vulnerable, you actually have to be fairly strong, um, mm-hmm. and, yes. and it's not a weakness, but it does, but it does open the door, it does connect, so that's sharing yes. my world, but then it's also, you have a part about sharing the other person's world, right? Yes, yeah. So after you share your piece about, you know, how whatever happened in the conflict affected you, then you want to turn to the other person and say, you know, something like, I want to give you a chance to to share your experience of what was going on here and to hear their perspective. And so that, again, just sets the stage for this to be a collaborative conversation where we're coming together here And so you give them an opportunity to share what was going on for them that contributed to the problem. So, for example, in that wedding example that I shared, feeling really angry that your best friend didn't show up at your wedding and, you know, Uh feeling like that's a great big problem for you and a sense of conflict. But what if your best friend responds, you know, like, I have been really depressed and it's been hard for me to get out of bed or, you know, my mom just got diagnosed with a major 
um, a health crisis and I had to be home for her. And so, you know, people often fear that like, oh, if I hear their perspective, it's going to dilute my own and I won't be able to convey how much things hurt me and it'll be more focused on them. But actually, it's a healing act to hear someone else's perspective because it leads us to really be able to depersonalize how someone has reacted to us. So instead of assuming, you know, hey, you didn't show up at my wedding because you don't value me as a friend, now you're able to have the broader context. Anytime we can broaden our perspective, um, uh-huh. and that will be more grounding. And so you'll be able to understand that, like, maybe they do value me as a friend, but maybe there was something else going on, and you only get that from letting them share their perspective as well. Well, and that that brings to mind a concept that I talk about that it's that it's not an either or it's not either your interpretation or my interpretation it's both and there's this is inclusive and I yes. love and I love the opportunity because because two two of the my favorite words when I'm teaching communication skills you know are are curiosity and confusion it's sort of like mm-hmm. help me understand what what happened. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was with you, I, you know, I, I was following until here, and then I just got completely lost. Could we go back? You know, because mm-hmm. it's like, those, those to me are, are much easier words, and they're, they're actually inviting words to go, okay, help me understand what happened because, you know, this was an important day for me, and, and, and you weren't there, and, and, I, and I just don't know what happened, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that also goes back to the opening when we were talking about the energy and the mindset that people have to calm themselves down. Exactly, exactly. Um, And, you know, you might need to vent over the problem and just feel like you can be validated, and that's okay. And sometimes, you know, before having these really difficult conversations, I know before I have them, before I need to have mm-hmm. a difficult conversation, I talk to, like, other people, and I, and I share my perspective, and I feel totally validated so that I can then go to this conversation and not feel like this conversation is for me to validate my perspective alone and, and feel like, oh, I can now go into this conversation, and I'm here to share my perspective, but also to hear the perspective of someone else. Mm-hmm. So and a couple of the last steps that you talk about, um, and there's a, one of them is really huge and really difficult. The, well, actually, I think they're both difficult. But one is about owning your own behavior, and then the other one is asking for the behavior that you want. Um, mm-hmm. You recommend those as, as, as a way for more open and effective conflict. So what do they entail and what gets in the way from what makes it most difficult for some people to do this? Yeah. So what the sort of number step five, own your contribution to the problem, but don't back down. Part of it is based on this theory called reciprocity theory and reciprocity theory is basically that people respond to us how we respond to them. So if I'm really angry Mm -hmm. at someone, I'm going to get anger back at them If I'm really Uh kind towards someone, I'm more likely to get kindness back at me. And, you know, obviously this isn't 100%. You know, you can be kind to someone and they're mean right back at you. But when you approach someone with kindness, they're more likely, I'll say, to respond with kindness and kind. Uh So when you go into a conflict, you want to think about what are the behaviors that I want to see in this other person and how can I convey those myself? Because according to reciprocity, reciprocity theory, then you'll be more likely to get those behaviors back towards you. 
And so something you obviously want to see in a conflict is someone else owning that they contributed to the problem. And so if you want to see that at someone else, you also have to be willing to do that yourself. And so let's say you're, you're engaging in this conflict and the dialogue and the other person sort of shares when they're sharing their perspective, you realize that maybe you had contributed to this issue in a way that you didn't understand or you didn't see. Um, and so it's okay for you to own that and say, hey, you know, thanks for sharing. I realize that I did contribute to this issue as well. Um, and that can happen alongside also holding them accountable for their, the effects on you. And so, again, it's just it's, it, when it's collaborative and it's coming together, you're looking for ways to benefit the other person and also to benefit yourself. So you're, you're sort of advocating for yourself as a team. And so part of that is being willing to own if you cause some harm as well. Yeah, I mean, although, although as you're talking about that, I can see how sometimes that might oh be used as a diversion. So how is that? How is owning my behavior different from or or, or acknowledging that I might have played a part different from if I bring something to somebody and say, you know, well this happened and this was the impact on me, and what I get back is, well, you do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> Like, yeah, okay. which, which may actually be true, but that's a separate issue. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a great question. I think the key here is that you don't want to back down as to your concern. Like owning your own behavior doesn't mean that you're backing down over your concern. So maybe this person is like, actually, you did X, Y, and Z. And you might be like, hey, you know what? I did do X, Y, and Z, and I can own that and acknowledge that, and I realize that. Um, and I appreciate hearing that from you. But at the same time, like, this also hurt me. And so it's being able to put almost like both of your perspectives in front of you. So if you're saying mm-hmm. this and, you're, and they're saying that, so you might be able to say, like, something like, okay, let me, let, me, let me couch this in an example. So if you're saying, like, hey, you ignored my text message, and they're sort of like, oh, well, you had ignored my text message three days ago. And so – you can sort of put the problem in front of both of you, and that's another uh-huh. technique that I think is really powerful where you say, okay, so I'm upset that you ignored my text message, and you're upset that I ignored your text message three days ago. How can we come to a resolution around communication that works for both of us? So this is sort of the asking for the behavior that you want or at least talking about what the possible behaviors might be, new behaviors yes. might be. Yes, and so – this, I think, it can be important. It can not, depending on the issue that you have, because sometimes you might just want to express your feelings and get that uh-huh. out because something okay. is, you know, making you want to distance yourself in the relationship unless you get it out. But other times you might actually be looking for what's t- so something tangible that um, can happen in the future that's different from how things have been going right now. And so that when we think about – feedback, we're often thinking about identifying, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you uh-huh. didn't do this. But then there's the idea of feed forward, which is instead focusing on what you'd like to see in the future. So for example, <laughs> um, going back to like, you know, my friend didn't text me back, instead of focusing on just that, moving forward and saying, you know, in the future, I'd love to hear from you on the same day when, I'm, when I said the text or, you know, how, what would that be like for you? And so being Uh able to offer that as something tangible that you can take from the conversation that, again, is in the service of benefiting your relationship. 
So a lot of this sounds like we have to kind of step up our maturity level a bit. (laughs) Yes, that's a good way of putting it. That is a great way of putting it. I mean, you know, and it's and 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 I know that's really hard to do, especially when we're really hurt. And I mean, and, and a lot of people use anger because you know, it's it's protective. It's like I don't have to if I'm angry, I don't have to admit that I'm hurt or that I'm scared or that I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, opening up into those other realms and actually sitting down with somebody, and I guess. I guess there's a question because you've mentioned this several times in in a couple of different ways about kind of taking this maybe up a higher level to this relationship matters and how do we do things that support this relationship is 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 that kind of on the right track? Yeah, exactly. It's like um yeah, it's just like you're a team that's working together to do what's best for the team. That's what I think healthy conflict is. If you're seeing yourself as, you know, I am representing just me <laughs> and my interests mm-hmm. and my concerns, then you're not going to have as positive outcome or as healthy of a conflict when you're thinking about, hey, I am in this relationship with the other person. We both have needs. We both have perspectives. Let's put this out on the table so that we can have a healthy relationship moving forward. Yeah, and that, and and again, that's really what people need to need to learn how to do. And I, I so wish, and I've said this before, that we all have to take a relationship one on one class before we graduate. Definitely, I think it would be Definitely. so helpful. Yeah, there is information out there, and you know, I, I it's. It's available, but I'm not sure it's readily available. I mean, I think people actually have to look for it, which is kind of sad Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think it would be, I mean, you know, we're looking at, you know, the world, not not just on a micro level, but on a macro level, we're looking at all these people who are in conflict, and if we could just find a way to be able to connect on a better level, I think everybody would be happier. Um, Right. So can you... Can you tell people where they can learn more about what you do and and your writings and all of the stuff that, you know, so we're going to give them a, a, a place to go? <laughs> sure, yeah, definitely. Um, so you can find me on Twitter or on Instagram, and my handle is Dr. Marissa G. Franco. So that's D-R-M-A-R-I-S-A-G-F-R-A-N-C-O, Marissa with one S. Or you can go to my website, which is um, the same handle, drmarissagfranco.com. You can sign up for my newsletter where I can send you some blog posts that I write. I also write for Psychology Today about relationships and about friendship. And you can find me on the Platonic Love uh, blog on Psychology Today. Well, terrific, because as we said before, disagreement is a given, but conflict, at least the way most of us think about it, is actually a choice. Arguing and blaming are frequent behaviors in conflicts that go unresolved. But developing the skills to address issues productively can really go a long way to bringing health and harmony to your relationship. So differences will continue to arise, but you will be able to address them and actually embrace them with confidence. So 
Thanks so much for listening to the show. Hopefully you found it helpful. And until next week, stay loving.